The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic, and it's all about our take on life as a Watford fan. Well, in fact, this weekend it's not my take, really. It's Easter weekend, I was away, uh, but I did get Jacob Colshaw, who, of course, as many of you will know, is the main man behind WD18. He took over the reins and chatting to both Jason outside the ground and Geordie, who hasn't been on for a while, uh, to go through that defeat at home to Brentford. And, well... Let's see how their mood takes them. Also, Sean Dyche, the second Watford manager, whilst we were doing this podcast. There have been a few since, but he was the second after Malky Mackay. Uh, and, of course, he's been let go from, from Burnley this weekend. And we, I said to him, well, what, you know, what, what would have to happen if Sean Dyche was to become Watford manager next year? It's just a bit of fun, guys. Hold tight. Get off my back. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen or my desire. Stay off the old Twitter. Calm down. Thank you very much again for listening to From the Recruit uh, as a special thing, a special bonus. And if you haven't already joined The Athletic uh, and be part of the the family, let's call it, uh, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, where you can sign up for a lovely little discount, which you only get by listening to From the Rookery End. And remember, if you do listen to the podcast via the Athletic app or the Athletic website, you get them absolutely ad free not an advert so that's one of the bonuses for being a subscriber of course you also get all the writings of mr adam leventhal about watford football club uh, and of course the huge team of writers that are the athletic but let's see how they were right after the game outside vicarage road after watford's easter saturday defeat at home to brentford so we're outside vicarage road has finished watford one brentford Two. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. I'm joined by Jason and Geordie to discuss, in the end, quite a painful ending to what was a bright second half, I'd, I'd say. Uh, I'll go to you, Jace, first. Just, just your initial thoughts after, after that. <laughs> it's oh. mad, it's mad, isn't it? I sort of think, as I do with all these games, you sort of think through the game, what you're going to say. And in recent weeks, it's been quite obvious early on what's going to happen. Today, we got the equaliser. I've, sort of been, I've been building myself up for, oh, no... Long weekend, sun's out, sea of yellow in the stands, everyone's got their replica shirts on, and then Watford have ruined it. And as the game's gone on in the second half, you start to think, oh no, it's going to be a bit different today, a bit of, yeah, sun's out, what a, what a great day it's, it's turned out to be. <laughs> oh, and then that ending was just mad, wasn't it? And, 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 I'm, and I'm probably not alone in, I've seen the losers miss, I sort of turned to the guy next to me, and both had a sort of knowing look they're going to go up the other end and score the winner and lo and behold it's like you couldn't you couldn't write about it could you it's just just so Watfordy. Geordie did you see that coming as well I mean I just said to you guys as well that that was just so Watford that whole minute loser missing an open goal and then go up the other end as Jay said I think we all thought they were going to score from that free kick yeah I mean you always expect your team to let a goal in an injury time, especially if you've been following Watford. I mean, I sit right at the back of the rookery. You don't get any phone coverage. If I did, I would have gone on betting play the minute loser missed that and they got a free kick. I'd have put right 2-1 Brentford and I'd have paid off next season's season ticket. I think if you, you can lose, like, I think the Spurs game we kind of lost in the last minute and there are sometimes losing in the last minute and you're really angry. I think, that, like to your point, the players tried in the second half. We, we could have scored from loser. We wouldn't. We would have deserved to win if we'd won it. It wouldn't have been a fluke. We really took the game to them. We, we didn't play as badly as we have done recently. 
There's some real capitulations here. And I think they, they put the effort in. You can see how much it affected Loser. And I think we'd made a change. You know, Cathcart coming on for, for Menia. I, obviously, I didn't, couldn't see their goal because like I said, I'm not put it back of the rookery and it was scored at a Vicarage Road end. But it, it's a set piece. You know, their other goal came from a throw in. Again, one weakness, you, don't, you get punished in the Premier League. Next season, we'll, there'll be strikers. You need two touches before they can put the ball, three touches and bring their hip round. Now, you've got players who can flick off the outside of their foot. Championship is a lot more forgiving. So, you know, we'd, we'd have won that 1 0 in the Championship. I, I don't know, though, because, I mean, it wasn't anything inventive or creative from Brentford that, that got to those chances. So, the first one was a long ball for Tony to chase, which they're forcing us to defend. They're putting the ball long, making our centre-backs turn around. And Cabaselli dealt with that first one for the first goal. But then that's then sort of led to the throw-on. And like you say, we didn't defend at the near post. We then didn't... I'm not sure if it was a case of not tracking the runner. They had a similar situation second half, and you could see Norgard and a couple of others sort of lined up on the edge of the box. We're happy to defend in the box. But then in that first one, we're not doing the defending. We're just, they're just sort of coming on and we're just watching him put it in the back of the net and making the challenge too late to stop it. And then the second one, again, was just sort of... They sort of isolated Kamara out there, I think, sort of one-on-one, yeah. tried to get the ball out there. He's on a yellow card, so you can see why they're, why they're doing that time and time again, second half, when they're trying to break out. So they've done that again, and he's yeah made the foul. And then it is a great ball in. But again, like you say, we've got Kafka on in place of Firmino. So again, that's extra height, someone who you'd expect to be able to deal with balls like that. And again, as you say, Geordie, it's difficult to see who it was, who should have been doing the marking. But yeah, we, we just we just didn't again. And how many like, times have we seen a goal like that this season? I mean, they're two of the softest goals, particularly the first one, Geordie. I mean, it's a it's a long throw. It's a flick on. It's at the back post, and you're thinking, come on, come on, Watford. And even I mean, even the second one you were saying, Jace, as well. We've conceded a lot of goals this season, particularly at home. But I think probably the first one's up there for one of the softest I've seen, and that just shows how bad it was. Yeah, I mean. It- there's been some real howlers, mistake-wise, where you can go, oh, that was a mistake. We saw in the last couple of games a real kind of missed, mis- miscommunication. This one was a game, if you, you know, we, I mean, we'll be watching Quest next year rather than Sky <laughs> or BT. And you know, if you watch the League Two highlights, you'll see a goal just like that first one in League Two. It's a throw-in, you see it on the, on the park on Sundays. Throw-in, a flick-on, and, and it's in it. You don't need Christian Eriksen to do that. But Norgard, he had more shots than Jao Pedro, who was our centre-forward all game. We, we chased, we did really well, you know, we, we harried them, we, we didn't give up. But we didn't really create a huge amount. And I think, you know, the goal that was, that was scored was, obviously it was a good goal because they checked it and it was a goal, but there was a doubt there. You know, loser's chance, which I think was it King that put it on the post before, before that. Yeah, so again, that was an opportunity. It's tiny margins in the Premier League and... We saw the difference between winning and losing and why one of these teams that came up last year is staying up and one of these teams that came up last year isn't staying up is those fine margins. So Touching on going forward, Jace, I mean, for me, particularly that first half, the lack of cohesion going forward was really, really apparent. And some people have labelled that blame at, at Hodgson, some people labelled it at the individuals. But who is it down to? Is it is it down to an individual problem or is it down to the manager? I, I feel like I want to sort of go back and repeat my words from last week because we were talking about quality of our front three attackers two of them will probably lose in the summer anyway but they're not showing as a team as a cohesive unit together and it started off again in the first half where they weren't passing to each other they didn't seem to be playing as a unit I thought I'd I'd, I'd like to give a bit of of props to Kuchka today because I thought we saw Aston Villa at home first game of the season Kuchka today where his passing was, was bang on and it was one in the second half where he's played it through and Saar should be away. But Saar's not away because he's facing his own goal on his heels, waiting for something to happen. He should be turning around 
seeing Kuchka coming, he should be ready to go. There's a ball coming through here, and it would have been the perfect ball, and it didn't happen. And again, it was that that the Sar of last week where he, he he didn't want to run into the space. He didn't want to run with the ball. There was one I think not long after we'd scored where he's got it on the right hand side. And he's got room to run into, but he's decided not to. He's just played the ball, and I'm not even sure he looked. He's just played the ball, and Ericsson's tracking back and, and got it away. And again, it's another opportunity lost. Dennis again, trying to do it all himself a bit. And good finish for the goal. Good finish for the goal, yeah, it did well, did well there. And again, I'm not sure quite what happened, but obviously beat the keeper. Was he, was, was he being greedy? Oh, but, you know, you can't fault that if he's, if he's putting it in the back of the net. And Pedro, you know, he's, I don't know if he's got to that stage in the season where... He's trying, it's not always coming off for him. And again, he's trying to perhaps do a little bit too much on his own. And I'm sure Hodgson isn't telling him to do, to do that, but the honeymoon finished a long time ago for Hodgson. He got us playing a little bit better. He, he's got us playing better away from home, mm. but the home form has been dreadful. And again, I mean, it, ultimately it does lie at the, at the coach's door. But then who's responsible for, for bringing the coaching? The three coaches that we've had in this year, the three coaches that we had... In the previous relegation season, you got yeah. Again, you sort of looking higher up the chain. We're kind of repeating ourselves again, but yeah, that's. that's but Jordan, you look at that front three, and we've got a thirty million pound right winger in Ismail Assar. You've got a really bright prospect in Jao Pedro. Cucho and is obviously out today, but then you look at Emmanuel Dennis, who's up, been up there for player of the season. So individually, these players are good, are good footballers. So is this a case of actually not getting the balance right from a tactical point of view, or do you think it's a case of what Jason said, where? Maybe they're just they're just lacking real confidence at the minute because I think particularly in the first half. Of course, we grew in the second half, but in the first half, we really lacked any structure going forward. To answer that question and your previous one, sure. you can't really blame Roy Hodgson because the problem with cohesion predates him by at least two managers, <laughs> uh, which sounds like a long time. But you know, what for times? That's only a few months. But if you look at why that is, we came up, we came down. I think I think you got you, nothing, nothing exists in its in silo. So this season is a consequence of last season, which is a consequence of the relegation season previous, which is a consequence of not kind of making the right decisions back then with the with the squad and you know Silver leaving us. I think is probably where we started losing control and started trying to correct rather than actually choose our destination. So you look at last season, we came up with a team that wasn't certainly wasn't ready for the Premier League. You know, Kina, Dini, Gray, Chalabar, Hughes, who probably could have played, but you know we haven't. You know, it loses a good replacement now that he's kind of found his feet. So there's lots of players that left. We, therefore, we brought in Sissoko, Dennis, you know, Kuchka, who, by the way, is only a few months younger than Abdi. Wow. So, so when 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 that when, is a great start. Yeah, when people say, oh, he, you know, his legs are going, he gets tired. And, well, of course he gets tired. He's coming to the Premier League at yeah. 34, 35. First time in his career playing in the midfield for a team that's struggling. I mean, no wonder he's, no wonder he's, you know, if we'd got him, I think the year we had Kike and and, and mm. then the most, you know, he, he would probably be like a, a Watford legend because if, if this is what he's like at 35, I imagine he'd been pretty decent, uh, you know, 27, 28. But anyway, the cohesion is the fact that we brought in all these, assembled this essentially a midfield and attack in, in the summer uh, under one manager. Then we changed that manager. And then we've you know we've brought in Kayembe and you know we've tried to we tried to freshen up. We've got another manager. At no point have we had any real consistency and a chance to get to know each other. And it stands out a mile. Players want to make the perfect pass, uh, which therefore means they're not quite sure: do I lay it off to him? Do I not? Who's to blame? Well, the, the individuals are, but there's confidence is an invisible thing. And you, if you're looking to blame everybody, you blame the fans because as soon as anyone misplaces a pass or delays a pass, everyone gets on their back. That's as a consequence of not having seen a win since I had black hair you know so it's um, it's lots of things I think I think what we need to do is really at the end of this season is just almost cut cut it 
and say, right, who's staying, who's going, who's going to be our manager next season? We need to forget this season's happened. Let's just wash it, you know, from from our memory. Let's not have that fear because in the championship, you're not going to get punished in the same way. You know, the reason we didn't let any goals in hardly last season is because premier, uh, championship strikers were in the opposite situation that, that we're in now. The one reason our strikers are struggling is because they're having to do defending. They're not getting lots of freedom, and they're up against people like you know Van Dyke one week, and they're up against someone else the next week, and they're not up against any mugs. So yes, we've got decent strikers, but we're up against world-class defenders, mm. and we haven't got a world-class midfield and a world-class defence to constantly apply that pressure. You watch Liverpool play, or you watch Man City play, they miss a lot of chances, and they've got much better strikers than us, but they have 20, 30 chances a game. Mm. We have a handful of chances and I wasn't talking digging Chao Pedro out earlier it's just he was our centre forward in a game we, had, we were de- very much in and he didn't we didn't we weren't creating like sitters at any point or, or involving him it was mainly Dennis and Sarah on the edges but it's very difficult to score from the edge mm. and, so. e- and even the goal I mean it was maybe hitting hopes harsh but it was it was a ball into a dangerous area and it, there was a flick on and, and Dennis is at the back post but Jace just on the first half, I, th- I thought we were, we were pretty poor. Second half, there was a 20-minute spell mm. where the fans, as, as Jordy mentioned, actually were getting behind the team. Mm. There was a bit of, bit of, a, bit of a bounce at Vicarage Road. Had a bit of momentum and you think, you know what, let's kick on and go for it. So where did it go wrong in that second half where we threw it away? Because at one point, I generally did believe we could get, we could get all three points out of it, which is saying something <laughs> considering our home form this season. I mean, it, well, it was down to those last few minutes, wasn't it? I mean, it did look like if anyone was going to win it, it was going to be us. We were the better side. And again, it's almost like the Leeds game last week. I think the, the, the crowd, you talk about the crowd side really well today. We had Aurelio Gomez on the mm. pitch, didn't we, before the game? And that got people going a bit, didn't it? We sang his song. And, and there is a bit of an atmosphere there. And, and I don't know about everyone else, but I'm sort of coming to the game feeling a bit... We've talked about having to come out of duty and it felt a bit like that. And you're sort of thinking, that, yeah, do I really want to be? It's going to be a tough one today, not expecting much. Brentford on a great run of form. But actually, it started OK from a, from a sort of fan's point of view. The game, yeah, hadn't really settled down sort of the first 15 minutes. And then we can see from the set piece and everyone goes flat. Everyone in the stand goes flat. The team go flat. And then you sort of just playing out the rest of the half without anything really happening. And then the second half started. And again, and like last week, we were on the front foot and we're, we're trying to make things happen. We're still not really creating chances, but we're not conceding much possession. Brentford aren't looking threatening. They do then have the set piece that they should have scored from. I mean, you talk about losers miss that one. <laughs> that looks that looks even worse. Um, and you think, well, if that's in, that would have been it. But okay, second lease of life. We score not long after that, and all of a sudden the crowd are right back in it. And and again, yeah, it's it's then we're not creating chances, but we we are looking the most threatening, and we look like we could potentially make something happen. And again, we talk about the players on the pitch up front of giving them a bit of um, a bit of sticker earlier on but yep they can make things happen they can cause trouble defenders are worried about them they, they know what these players are capable of and yeah they were they were having to to defend I think we still could have done more in terms of we talk about lack of creativity and it is quite difficult to think that from midfield it's loser with his passing range where we're trying to get Sar and Dennis wide where we're trying to get them beyond the last defenders and, and that's not happening but we still in terms of territory we are still the dominant side and the potential then for something to happen is there and it nearly did and and then <laughs> and, and then that happened 
Um, Jordy, one point I wanted to pick up on actually from today, and one thing I noticed was in terms of the body language from minute one today, I thought it was pretty poor. And even at some points where certain players, I think there was a point where Foster was having a go at Kamara for not pushing up wide. There was a point where Loser was having a go at Kiko for not being in the right position. There was even a point where Cabaselli was having a go at Pedro. Fans are then starting to get on the back of the players. So from that perspective, do you understand the discontent? Because it, it does seem there's a little bit of a disconnect between fans and players at the minute. Maybe bigger picture fans and club is that is that too far do you think can you understand why that's happening between the fans and the club well i mean Maybe the, not fans of the club but i think the atmosphere between the players you could tell body language wise they 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 lack confidence for the way i saw it and then fans are then getting on the, the back of dennis when there's a point where he's he's not releasing the ball quick enough to sar etc so can you understand why that's happening or is it just purely based on on the form at the minute well, I think I can understand it, and it's probably based on the form. Yeah. You know, so, um, and the podcast. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If, if, you, may, if you play a pass that goes out of play or someone doesn't make a run and you don't show any, any passion, you know, in the you know, P-A-S-H-U-N. No commitment. Then, yeah, come on, boys, you know. Then you're going to get shouted at. If you do shout at your teammates, there's discontent in amongst the players, and are not okay. You know, so you can't you can't win. The fans, I think the fans are a bit fed up. I think that the problem is, fans. We always live in the moment. You know, this season is one of a hundred odd that Watford have had. You know, it was nice last season. We couldn't go to the games. We got promoted. You know, this season is always going to be difficult. I think the problem we've got is we're not below expectations unless your expectations were that a team that you know is in the bottom three for resources. Didn't have a Premier League squad, as I said last earlier in last season, so had to build one on the fly. Has had, had to change manager three times because the managers weren't exceeding expectation. They were meeting expectation. You know, they were the, one of the crap teams, if you like, was was at the bottom. And the same is true with Norwich. You know, and you look at um, Burnley, probably finding their level after a few years. Everton, you can say they're underperforming because the amount of money they've spent and the size of the club they are, they should be much higher. But Watford are where we where we should be. So. If you look at it dispassionately, we shouldn't be surprised. But on the back of so many defeats at home uh, in a row, obviously the players are going to lack confidence because it's the same fans watching them. So the way fans that have seen the odd win at Southampton and Villa and whatever and the draw at Man United, they haven't seen us pick up points for... For ages, I mean, I was lucky to come. I'm glad I came to the League Cup game against Palace because <laughs> I got to see us win at home, you know. Because other than that, I didn't come to the Villa game. And I was, last season, I came to see us beat Rotherham. So I've seen three wins in best wow. part of three years. So we'll come anyway. And obviously, it's, it's disappointing. Obviously, people get on their backs. And but I don't think anyone in, in you know in, in a couple of seasons when we look back and say, you know, well, yes, we were awful because we know you have to be awful to get relegated because you have to be consistently awful. You have one good spell where you pick up 12 or 13 points mm. and suddenly you're out of danger. Bit like Brentford have done, bit like Newcastle have done after they were in a situation with us um, before they got injected with like a sugar daddy on, a, on, a, on, on, on football manager or something. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we'll look back this year and we'll say, yeah, it was a bit crap, and we'll probably laugh at it. People like Gallo's human. Remember when we lost ten in a row? It could be eleven or twelve by the end of the season. But, you know, they, they, we'll look back at it now. It's not much fun. But I think today, and I've said to you before, it's almost nice that it, it really is gone because if we were like one point away from safety and then we blew it in the last minute going like gung-ho or something then you'd really feel a bit more of a hangover as well yeah you feel empty but you know we are we are where we are you know we we, we think we've all accepted we're down we're not we're not down but we are down Mm. you know there is a chance we stay up but it's very very unlikely so you know i think we just have to come and enjoy it um and there's no point getting on the backs of the players because we want them to go away have a nice summer come back refreshed and those that are still here, to be, they're going to be fundamental to our staying up or going, coming back up. Because if we get stuck in the, the championship, for me, the championship is like the sea. 
sure. Like, it's nice for a little bit, yeah, but if the longer you stay in there, the more likely you'll become part of it, you know, and get washed away forever um, and, and dragged down, if you like. So we need to get in the championship, enjoy a season of good vibes and winning and doing well. Uh, and hopefully our neighbours up the road will still be in the championship and we can <laughs> beat them and it'll be nice and you know we have a few little like, mini rivalries like we have with, with, with Bournemouth you know like Reading become the bad guys or something. QPR at one point I remember QPR yeah. yeah all these kind of little 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 uh, things where you're going for promotion and we come back up and we come back up but we come back up really with lessons learned this time of, of, of what promotion means because it, it, it almost feels like the, the, the promotions have come back to front like we should have done this learned our lessons and then had the 20 whatever 15 2016 whatever it was the year in the Premier League where we got okay we learned what happened and we've we've now understood the stability and in, in making sure we fix the defence and starting from the back and, and like having that Igalo Dini partnership it feels like we had the formula to stay up um, sure. um, uh, when we came up but we we lost it um, and I think it's because last time we nearly came up with Zola then we had a few years in the in the championship and we kind of built the bulk of the squad and then added some decoration to it whereas this season it was just too much change. And it would have been nice, it would have been possible to stay up. You know, Dennis was a great bargain, even if he has gone off the board a little bit. Sissoko's not a bad player. Loser's shown what he can do. Like I say, Kuchka, you know, six or seven years too late, but hey, you know, he's not, he's not bad. But it's just not been enough because this is a very unforgiving league. Jace, just final thoughts on today. Uh, where does this defeat leave us? Has it, has it changed anything? I mean, Jordy's pretty much accepted it. It's the final, 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 final nail in the coffin. Um, yeah, how, what's, is there any, does this change anything for you? I don't think so. I think even had King's shot gone in or loser had found the back of the net, I think it would have been too little too late for me. Um, I, I think the, the, the final nail for me was last week. There's been a lot of nails. There's been a lot of those. Yeah, a lot of nails. Um, and that last one was last week with Everton um, winning and followed by the, sort of that capitulation against Leeds. It was, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was disappointing. It, it had gone completely. I think that was it. So, yeah, time to think. I think let's see what we can do in these last games. I mean, the next one is what City away, Good luck. <laughs> um, and you just want to avoid a capitulation there, don't you? I mean, it, it's you, you. You don't want to accept defeat, but you know what's coming. You just don't want to be embarrassed, and you just got to hope that we sort of come out of that with some sort of credit with head heads held high. Um, K two point oh, and then and then you just sort of go again for for the next game and the next game, and perhaps we we, we saw Shaquille Ford on the on the bench today. Perhaps there'll be an opportunity for him to get some some minutes. Whilst we know it's like you say, it is a difficult league, the Premier League. There's no sort of given that just because we we are in a better place than we were the previous times we're in the Premier League under sort of previous regimes. There's no given right that we are going to stay in once once we get up. There's always that chance we're going to be in a relegation fight, as we've seen this season. One thing I did want to ask Jordy is, how are you approaching the final six games of the season? Because as we've all mentioned, I think we've all resigned ourselves to relegation. Six games left. I saw I saw a really really good tweet earlier about a fan saying, you know what, I'm not going in with any expectation. Number one, because we've been really poor this season. But number one, we're not actually a Premier League club in the sense that we've been in the championship. For, we've been in the championship before for a long time. That was that's been our level, and this is you know when we went up in in forty fifteen, it was like wow, we're back in the Premier League. It's been a long time. So, how are you seeing these last six games of the season? Because um, I think as as we just said, it's it, I think we all know we're going down. Yeah, I think I think for the City game, I think we should go there with the intention of keeping it tight for the first fifteen or thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I mean yeah, that, that, I mean Hodgson had a good record against them, didn't he? Was it Palace? So you know, and Fulham. Do you remember Danny Murphy yeah. scoring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. 
I mean, what, then I think the rest of the season is really the way we should have approached this season, really, is just enjoy it because it was always going to be against the odds. I mean, the, the, sub, the, the, the mascot will have to be Harry Houdini, not Harry the Hornet, if we stay up now because because <laughs> we are, we are, like you say, we are down. So yeah. it's a case of, I mean, I think we are almost kingmaker, if you like, with a, we've got Burnley and Everton to come. And so we can decide who do we want to play against in the Championship next season, you know? Um, and I think if we, if maybe the pressure is off the players, if they, the problem is what, as long as they can stay up, they have to fight for it. So we can, as fans, can kind of come and say, okay, we accept we're down, but we, no fan is going to tolerate the players accepting they're down. But if it, if it does, if it, if it does come you know, with two or three games to go, then maybe chuck in some of the youngsters, maybe see if some of these players can play with a bit more freedom. I mean, we probably wouldn't want to play the likes of Saar and Dennis because you don't want to risk them getting injured if they're moving on. Um, and I don't know that convoluted transfer with Saar like every time he plays X amount of games we've got to pay X amount of money so maybe we'll just keep make sure we just stop stop getting that next trigger if we're down um, but but it, you know how many of these players are going to move on I mean it's, it, everyone's assuming that oh he'll go he'll go he'll go but maybe they won't you know mm. we struggled to shift players last time and it's a World Cup next year and you just kind of think you know does that make a difference to the way teams are looking at stuff and who's doing what and have they has anyone really shone for Watford I think John was asking earlier like would Kamara be a candidate for player of the year and you think well probably not because he hasn't shone beyond everyone Dennis was very good in the first half of the season Sissoko's been okay losers come into his own but no one's been amazing so no one's going to be looking going I must get him based on this season that's obviously we know who he is and won the AFCON and whatnot. Dennis at the start of the season he gets goals maybe in a better team he gets more goals but there's no, there's no guarantee that a lot of the fodder, if you no. like, are going to move on. So just let them go injury-free, happily into the summer, and then whoever is our, ne- our next manager, get them in early um, and let them and let them build. But like, just enjoy it, you know. We're in the Premier League, so absolutely. Just to wrap up, Jace, uh, one bit of news away from Watford, but involving an ex-Watford manager, <laughs> Mr. Sean Dyche. Now I put a tweet out yesterday saying that I would take him back in a heartbeat, and I got. Bit, bit of a mixed reaction. Uh, some people were not a fan of that tweet at, at whatsoever. Left Burnley after 10 years, a long time of that club, obviously. The first sack, so-called sacking, people call it a sacking, the first manager to leave under the Pozzo era. Two questions. Number one, would you take it back at Watford? Number two, were you surprised to see Burnley part company with him? I'll answer number two first. I was surprised to see Burnley part with him. Certainly not going to criticise it because, obviously, the way they've managed that side of things for them there's obviously been very different to the way we work and we know that we always get criticised every time we sack a manager and we've rightfully or wrongfully defended the club up to a certain point that's become harder as the years have gone on but I yeah, certainly won't criticise Burnley for doing that but the, it is a surprise for me in that I'm not sure who they'd bring in now because they probably do still have a slight chance of, of staying up the defeat of Norwich for them wouldn't have helped them but that team is very much his team. And I find it hard to think that there's another manager out there that will come in and get the same out of that team that he will. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that, I think that's why it surprised me. I, I, it could be that they've decided that we might as well twist and see what happens because we're probably going to be down anyway. And OK, fair enough. So back to the first question, would I take him? I probably wouldn't. And I don't think... The main thing for me is I don't think he would want to be here. So the reasons we've just been talking about at Burnley where he's been there such a long time because he has a lot of autonomy or had a lot of autonomy in that position as manager, not head coach, as manager of Burnley. I think a lot of the player decisions would have been his. 
Whereas he'd walk into here, he'd have a director of football to work with. I don't know if they've got one at Burnley, I'm not really sure, but you get the impression that's not the environment he wants to work under. He'd be given a bunch of players. And whilst on the on the positive side, he'd probably sort a lot of the um, crap out, wouldn't he? He'd, he'd, there would be no... Uh, no prima donnaing allowed, I think, <laughs> throughout the uh, throughout the squad. He'd soon sort that out, um, but he just wouldn't suit his style. He wouldn't enjoy it. And if the head coach slash manager isn't enjoying it, it's, it's only going to end one way. So for me, I'd, I'd say no. Maybe nostalgia has just taken over me, or it's the maybe the prospect of a manager wearing that Watford tie and suit <laughs> combo again. Uh, Jordy, same question over to you. Would you would you take him back here at Vicarage Road? Uh, no, I think similar to Jace, I don't think he'd want to come. It'd be a bit of a strange career move, having spent 10 years in the, in the Premier League mm. with, with one club, almost showing what you can do on a shoestring to, to then come to us. I think he, he probably wants to want to go somewhere bigger. I mean, if he was going to step down into the Football League, you'd expect him to go to a team like Birmingham or Sheffield Wednesday. Kind West of, Brom. Or West Brom, a big team that's kind of historically, obviously, if they had money and they were well managed, which they're not, a lot of them. I wouldn't take him for, for a few reasons. I think if, if it went well... We wouldn't really enjoy it, the style of football, I don't think. Uh, and if it didn't work well immediately, then we'd, we'd get rid of him. And we'd be back to the... Indeed, we'd be back to, uh, we'd be back to, to square one. So I don't, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think anybody would really be talking about it if it wasn't Sean Dyche, the ex-Watford player, captain, youth coach, reserve coach, first team coach. I think, I think that, people just look at it and go, oh, two plus two, but I don't think it necessarily makes four in this case. Sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Thank you so much to Jacob uh, for filling in this weekend, and of course to Geordie and to Jason as well. It has been the Easter break, and some of the Junior Hornets got some amazing access to the players. There was a, a tour around Vicarage Road, and they got to meet several of them. But my son Eli and Mike's son Arlo got to go to the training ground. It's called a day in a life experience. I mentioned it on Thursday podcast. And afterwards, of course, some very excited young boys. And I had to ask them about the day and what happened. Arla, how, how was it for you? It was really surprising. Some of the stuff they do and some of the stuff they have at the training ground is... It's very interesting, all of it. And I enjoyed it a lot. Good. Eli, what did you find? What was the best thing that you did in the day? I think it was just to see the players, do a bit of training and then come over and see us. Say hello. So let's talk about those players. Who did you get to meet, Arlo? All of the players came over, some of them. We went to our favourites. So we got Dennis. Pedro? Pedro, Etabo, Cardo Bar, Soko. What were, they, what, what were they like? 
and very nice. So what happened with Dennis then? There was a boy who got his shirt. He just literally was like, Dennis, can I have your shirt? It was the first one to say it, so... And the were... minute the minute Dennis gave the boy a shirt, he turned around and ran. I think he, I think he went to I think he went back to get his other shirt to come back out. Oh, he didn't come back out. I have no idea. Well, there was Kamara and Samir. Well, there was a, a lad about our age. He asked for Kamara's boots, and Kamara's like, "Yeah, yeah. What what boots do you want?" And just took him to the boots room and just let him choose a pair. No. Yeah. No, literally, yeah. What about Ben Foster? Did you get to meet Ben Foster? He came and scared us, all of us. He literally came in and scared us all. Um, he jumped out and said, I hope you're not... Licking any of our my boots. Boot, my boots. <laughs> Nick the other's boots. <laughs> and then explained to us why why goalkeepers' boots are different to outfield players. Like, they've got heavier boots that get designed for him. And also, so they can kick the life out of the ball. Is that what he said? Yeah. There's a quote from Ben Foster there. <laughs> How did the day actually start then? What did you do first? Well, at first, we got separated into our groups and then the first group started off with their training and we got taught. So, first place we went to was, was the physio mm. and we saw Hernandez in there with getting his thigh done. How did Kucho look? He looked fine, but okay. sadly... He won't be back until the end of the season. How do you know that? Well, I had an interview with Roy Hodgson. Oh, wow! And then last of all, we went to the diner. Their canteen, their special canteen, where they can get their breakfast, their lunch, and even their takeaway dinner, maybe. Okay. What did you see there, Eli? We saw these weeds... Pills mm-hmm. that help their nutrition oh, okay. and health. And what, what, did, what, was it, what was in that room, though? Um, we saw a PlayStation, some ping-pong table, pool table. And just outside of that, there was a... Uh, it's cool... They, it's basically foot, foot tennis, but with a non-bouncy ball, so sorry, you have to be very skillful to do it. I guess Jean Pedro must be using that a lot. <laughs> Probably, yeah, hopefully. I, I, saw, I saw Anne outside. Uh, I had a good chat with Anne, and she said that one person that she went and had a chat to, she had a chat to Danny Rose, because they're both originally from Doncaster, and she went and, she went and had a chat to him and said what he, what he was up to. Did you get to meet him? Yeah, at the end he was signing some shirts. He signed the back of my shirt. He looks very young. <laughs> He's nice. He's very nice. Cool. With a... Uh... Yeah, he does look young, I'd say. Yeah, did you speak to him about anything? Or did um, anyone, did the group ask him anything? No, I was really sort of playing, using balls, playing yeah, around. Near the end, we just went free and played some football. But, like, people lined up to get some signed shirts. We didn't bother, because he started coming over and I was just like, can you sign my shirt? And he was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, it was lovely that Anne, say, Anne did say that he came out and didn't have to come over. He just sort of came over to you guys in the in the dome. So, a good day all round. Uh, how do you think, Arlo, you, you play Sunday you know, league football at Chesham. How do you think this is going to influence? What are you going to try and pick up from? that? You, did you see anything there? Confident and skill. OK, what do you mean? Well, they... Well, at the start of our training, we did lots of skill moves, mm. learning how to do skills, and they and they said, and Rory said to us, "You need." Uh, I think someone asked, uh, "What is key in a young player?" And they're like, 
like enthusiasm and confidence in the game and happiness and having fun. Did you, did you see the, the, the cold room that they have? Uh, yes, we did. Um, we also got to put our fingers in. Uh, it was quite cold. Into what? Into into the ice, ice bath. bath. Okay. It was cold, but imagine going in there yourself with the ice in. That would be freezing. And the <laughs> lid shut. Oh. That would be chilling. They said there's one room which is four minus forty five mm. degrees, and then the next room is minus 145 and they wow. do that for two minutes and two they, minutes and and, and they, they, they bang on the door to get out now Arla, you were a, a, a few of you only a few of you got to go and do a special press conference and you got to meet the main roy man roy hodson. hodson i asked my two questions were what is the best question you've ever been asked in an interview and what's the best football atmosphere you've ever seen or watched? Okay, so what, where were you sat when you did that? Media room. Oh, like the like, press, press conferences. Conference okay, and how how was Roy? He was very nice. Yeah. He was very calm. We all greeted him with a round of applause. What was his answer to your question? In an interview, he was asked by someone to be the in, to be the England coach. I I think, and then it was oh, Mil- yeah. Milan. The Milan derby and Milan versus either Milan teams versus Juve. Ah, very good. Also known as Juventus. Juventus, yes. It was the best day of my life. Woo! Some very happy, happy junior Hornets. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. On From the Recruiting, we are always trying to help and, and promote all the groups that are there and, and what they're doing to hopefully connect them with some, some members uh, of there. We, of course, had a lot to do with the Watford women in their first few months because we had uh, Kate on a few times. But, of course, there's a brand new one starting this week, Watford Christians. Uh, and I asked Tim Rose, one of the guys involved, to tell us a little bit more about how you, if you are a Christian and, of course, you are a Watford fan, uh, how you can get involved. Hi guys, my name is Tim Rose. I have been a Watford fan since 1983 and I am also one of the founder members of the brand new Watford FC Christian Supporters Group. The group was kind of set up a little bit by accident by a fantastic Wayne Lever who contacted um, a bunch of like-minded Watford fans on Twitter. We met up over Zoom. He also brought in the fantastic Watford chaplain, Clive Ross, who's been chaplain since 2005. And as a result of that, the Watford FC Christian Supporters Group was set up. We're here first and foremost to bring like-minded supporters together. Christians who also happen to follow Watford, we are here as well to work with all of the other fantastic supporters groups, the Jewish group, Proud Hornets, the Asian group, Women of Watford, all the other like-minded groups. We really want to work with them. We want to say bring Christian Watford supporters together socially. We're going to be doing loads of get-togethers from the beginning of next season. And we're also here to support Clive Ross in all the great work that he does within the club as well. So if you are a Christian and a Watford supporter, or if you're not, but and just, just a Hornets fan and you want to connect with us, you can do so on Facebook at Watford FC Christian Supporters Group or on Twitter at WFC Christians. And it'd be great to connect with you all. Do 
get in touch. We'll let you know about the events that are coming up. And until we have our first event, keep the faith and come on yawns. Thank you so much for listening to this Easter weekend podcast. There's only one bonus. If we do actually get relegated, the best thing is Easter weekend, double bubble, two games. We've only got one. I am trying to find the positives in this relegation. We'll be back, of course, midweek with another podcast with Adam Leventhal to have a look through something a bit deeper, a bit bit more wiser uh, than we do in these these weekend podcasts where we just shoot from the hip as fans of Watford Football Club, as we've been doing for 12 seasons now. Thank you so much. Do make sure you tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Only a few games left this season. What will they bring us as Watford fans? Who knows? Come on, you on! The Athletic.